welcome to Fitch's Global Economic Outlook podcast for December 2016. I'm James McCormack, head of the Sovereign Team, and I'm joined by Brian Colton, Fitch's chief economist and the primary author of our Global Economic Outlook. Today we're going to explore two areas in the context of our 2017 outlook. We're going to first of all talk about global monetary policy, and then we're going to discuss the outlook uh, for Chinese growth and some of the issues surrounding that. So, Brian, let's start with with global monetary policy, as we look into into next year, it seems there are a couple of factors that are pointing us in the direction of higher inflation uh, globally. I guess one would be the the base effect from from lower oil prices kind of fading away in 2017. The other being uh, a bit of a U.S. at least fiscal reflation story. So, how are we how are we thinking about this development in the context of our our view on the Fed? Well, we've not changed our central case scenario for the Fed. We think they're going to hike in December and then do two more hikes in 2017 and then ramp up the pace in 2018 with another 100 basis points uh, then. But I think it's fair to say we've got more confidence in that view. In the past, I think we'd have said our interest rate view contained probably a downside risk because that's where the Fed have revealed them their preference to be in recent years has been to be very, very cautious on rate hikes. But if we do get some fiscal easing in the US following uh, President Trump's easing package, which we do expect him to get through maybe half, three-quarter percent of GDP fiscal easing, uh, we, we do think the Fed is, is going to be prepared to normalise monetary policy at a more rapid rate than they, than they have been doing than they have been doing so far. When you look at the underlying inflation conditions in the US economy, some measures of core inflation are above 2%. This core CPI is 2.3. Wage inflation is rising. Unit labour costs have been above 2% for six consecutive quarters now. So the labour market is fairly tight. Um, and over a medium to long-term perspective, some of these possible changes on immigration policy, on trade policy, uh, while they may be negative for growth, could actually be positive for, uh, for, for, for price inflation. So... Yeah, we do think there is there is a, a, a significant reflation story in the U.S. Okay, um, maybe we'll switch over to to, to Europe. I see, and in, in, uh, compare that to the U.S. We've got U.S. yields going up. We also see uh, yields in in Germany, for example, uh, moving a little bit higher too. So, does that mean we're actually moving away from? The, uh, the world of low, uh, lower for longer uh, globally, or is it more of a US-centric story? I think we're actually going into a world of, of, of greater divergence on the monetary policy outlook. Um, certainly, bond yields have, have risen, um, and some measures of market, measures of inflation expectations have risen in the Eurozone. But when we look at the underlying dynamics there, uh, core inflation remains very low, you know, well below the ECB's uh, inflation target. Uh, wage inflation is actually declining, uh, something that the Draghi himself pointed, pointed to in his, in his recent speeches. Uh, the ECB have also been very clear that they believe the current recovery which we see in the Eurozone is quite dependent on loose monetary conditions. So. We don't see uh, much of a risk that the ECB is going to be looking to taper its asset purchases uh, anytime soon. In fact, we think the December 8th meeting uh, will see the ECB announce an extension of its asset purchase program for up to six to nine months beyond the current March 2017 uh, deadline. I, I, it's quite possible that they may 
be looking to reduce slightly the rate of purchases from the current uh, 80 billion per month, I mean, maybe down to 60. Uh, what I don't think they will do is announce a tapering path which tapers down to zero and sort of identifies the, a clear end to the, to the asset purchase program. I think they'll want to keep their options open on that side. Um, in order to do that extension, they will need to change some of the rules, I think, because uh, the number of outstanding bonds which are trading below minus 0.4%, their current floor for purchasing bonds, uh, would only allow them to extend the program at 80 billion per month up to about August 2017. So I think they'll want to announce a, at least a six month extension, six to nine months extension is, is likely. So they will change those parameters and they've sort of already told us that, 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 they're, that they're looking at that. So I think I think we are looking at, at an extension. So it certainly does leave us with a, a, you know an even more divergent view of, of global monetary policy, which obviously has implications for the dollar. Yeah. Okay. We'll come back to that dollar story. I'm sure in another uh, another one of our discussions, maybe we can uh, switch gears to to China um, and looking at at what we might expect to see in 2017. There, from from a policy perspective, it seems that some of the measures uh, taken recently in the housing market seem to suggest that uh, there's a, a tightening underway to some degree. Is that, in your view, part of a bigger policy tightening, uh, or, or are we reading too much into that? Well, it's certainly something we've got to watch pretty closely, because when they embarked on the, the, uh, the stimulus policies in 2015, uh, a loosening of house purchase restrictions was one of the first things that they did. You know, they recognised the crucial role that the housing market plays uh, in the economic cycle, and the economy was slowing too rapidly for their liking at that point. And easing housing sector policy was one of their one of the more important macroprudential measures that they took. So when they move in the opposite direction, you know, it certainly uh, we certainly need to take 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 note. You know, and they do seem to be worried about how rapid house price inflation has picked up. We're talking 18, 19% year on year, according to some of the private sector um, house price measures. Very strong growth in, in, in mortgage uh, mortgage lending, and and they this has been this has been more than just individual cities uh, uh, announcing measures. You know, we have seen some. Uh, announcements from the from the regulators t- t- towards the banks in terms of in terms of mortgage lending. So it's certainly an important uh, move on the policy front, but we certainly don't see this as anything like a significant uh, hitting of hitting of the brakes. It's more of a taking your foot off the accelerator a little bit. Really, we're still of the view that the six and a half percent growth target uh, is very much uh, uh, their top priority as they go into 2017. Uh, infrastructure spending is still uh, very strong, still very substantial central government uh, uh, fiscal stimulus uh, in, uh, in the system. And even when we look at the housing market itself, although housing sales are probably, uh, well, are, are now starting to slow down, what we haven't seen in this particular uh, rally is a, is, a, is a huge surge in house building. Uh, and that's important because house building has the strongest multipliers to the rest of the to the rest of the economy. So if we'd seen a massive increase there, uh, uh, t- to the extent that there'd been a, a sort of build up and a build up even further in the, the inventory overhang, yeah, that would be a concern because if if house building falls very sharply in China, very difficult for them to achieve a soft landing. But actually, we haven't seen such a strong pickup in house building. And one implication of that is that. 
the inventory situation, housing um, inventories relative to sales has fallen quite sharply. It's down now to where it was in 2011. So the knock-on effect of this slowdown in housing sales to the economy, you know, we are going to see it, but we think it will be quite. We think it will be quite gradual. So we've got growth slowing to 6.4% next year, but that's actually a little bit stronger than we thought would be the case uh, in in the September edition of the Global Economic Outlook. So it still looks on track to us. Uh, as, a, as, as a gradual slowdown. We still expect a further interest rate cut uh, in 2017, but previously we were, we were thinking they'd be more aggressive in terms of additional monetary easing uh, to come. Uh, we, we've taken out one of the interest rate cuts, but we still think that, that they will ease monetary policy. The broader credit monetary cycle still remains very accommodative in China. That's still their top priority is growth in the near term. Okay, and and I suppose something which is uh, new, sort of post-U.S. presidential election, is potential changes in U.S. policy towards uh, towards China, particularly on the possibility of uh, imposing tariffs or labeling China a currency manipulator. Um, I mean, briefly, how how concerned do you think China? Should should be about about these kinds of issues, and, and is it going to affect their uh, their own policy framework? I think it's a very significant uh, uh, con- concern for them. Um, you know, I, I, it was it was pretty much front and center of Trump's uh, election campaign was was to look at uh, trading relationships, not just with NAFTA, but but also. But also with China, and he reiterated that you know right the right the way right the way through. So uh, I think this is a very significant uh, risk, uh, and, and I think the Chinese would uh, would probably respond if there were some punitive uh, tariffs uh, uh, imposed. I think there, there would there would be a reaction. We've already seen that in some of the, some of the commentary uh, coming out of China itself in terms of you know their the, their ability to influence. U.S. companies' supply chains, for for instance. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely a, a, a key risk, and um, obviously, in terms of the way it would it would it would it would pan out, I think that, you know there would be a, a significant chance that uh, this would exacerbate uh, downward pressures on, on the currency, you know, which is which has already weakened pretty sharply uh, in bilateral terms against the dollar. I mean, they've, they've kept the currency essentially stable against the basket of a basket uh, of of currencies. Um, but as the, as the dollar has uh, risen against the yen and the euro and, and lots of other emerging markets, um, but we've seen the seen the CMY head down to, to, to six point nine. If, if that pace of bilateral depreciation gets too rapid, you know they, they need to they need to be concerned about you know how that might affect uh, domestic domestic capital flows out out of, out of the country. So. You know, I think we're starting to see some focus in terms of tightening up the existing capital controls uh, that, that they have, that tightening up that existing framework. I, th- I think that's a policy option that they will definitely look at, you know, perhaps even looking at um, how rapid overseas direct investment has been growing. You know, but that's been a deliberate policy to send send um, send more more capital out of China in terms of uh, in terms of outward FDI. But obviously that's you know has been contributing to the, to these outflows. So uh, I think this is something that they are, they are they're going to be going to be looking to, uh, to, to to try and control quite quite carefully. But will be harder if there's uh, increased trade tensions with the US. Okay. Thank you, Brian. We'll leave it there. The Global Economic Outlook report was published on the 29th of November and is available on FitchRatings.com. 
The next podcast in this series will be in early February 2017. Thank you very much for joining us.